0: in and across Chicago and over the internet, you can make a generous recurring gift by going to our website, urbanvillagechurch.org backslash give. And thanks for helping us with your ears, actions, and dollars to build up God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And now, here's the latest sermon. Good morning, Good morning,
1: morning. My name is Gloria, my pronouns are she, her, and hers, and I will be reading today from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord, descending from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. He has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There, they will see me. The word of God for the people of God. Yes. Good morning.
0: Good morning. My name is Erin James Brown. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. I currently serve as the interim site pastor here at Urban Village Edgewater. And I'm so glad you're here. Can you pray with me? God, even when The world seems to swirl around us, and our brain seems to tell us otherwise. You, God, are still moving, still shaping things up, shaping this earth into place. Because you, God, are not dead, but are alive again in our lives. Awaken us more to you today and each day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. uh, this is Urban Village Church, Edgewater. We have uh, four sites throughout the city of Chicago, stretching all the way from my home neighborhood of Hyde Park, Hala, any Hyde Parkers? Yeah, <laughs> just the one, who is my husband. <laughs> <laughs> stretching all the way from Hyde Park, west of Wicker Park, soon to be in River Forest, And here in Edgewater as well. And we are so delighted that you are here, a part of God's mission here. But to talk this morning, there have been some strange things happening. They whispered to each other, recalling the fear of the last few days when the earth shook. Something was up, and these women were going to see the things, to see if Jesus said came true. They couldn't, could it be? They didn't sleep last night because they were too excited-slash-nervous-slash-worried to find out. And so they walked quickly in the early morning, grasping at each other's elbows for support. And upon their arrival, they start to feel it once again. The rumbling of the earth stirs them, and they hold each other more tightly, signaling more fearful, fearful activity is about to take place, and then the messenger of God rolls back the stone. And wait, wait, wait. Who is this guy? He looks kind of like a Magic Mike-esque, body glistening, muscles rippling, pelvic floor engaged as he does a daily CrossFit workout, pushing and grunting that stone to one side. And finished and proud of his effort, this messenger of God catches his breath. And the women, either in love by the feats of his strength or shocked that the guards couldn't keep their act together and fainted in the sight of those precious pecs, the women huddled and watch. And wait, and he addresses them, sensing their concern that the world has totally changed. He says, don't be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified, and he is not here. He has been raised. Come and see the place where he lay. Okay, second time out. Don't follow creepy invitations to a come to an enclosed place where you could creepily be trapped behind some stone to check out something cool. <laughs> but this messenger, this rock body angel, knows that the women need proof. Their eyes have seen the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, but they've also seen his body beaten and tortured. These women, Mary and the other Mary, were only a few of the all-female witnesses to look on and remain vigil as Jesus breathed in and exhaled his last breath. Their testimony depends upon their personal account of an empty tomb and a disappearing body. Seeing no evidence of death, the Marys rush off prepared to tell their story. The world is turned upside down and the ground shakes the dead are risen, and the gospel slogan is, Believe Women. In, uh, in rushed root to share with the disciples, Jesus then himself shows up. In some of the other gospel accounts, Jesus meets the male disciples, but Matthew, the author, wants you to know that the, it's the women, according to him, who see him. It is the women in this account that place their fingers into his scars, where the nails pierced him. It is the women who fall in awe on their knees because God is more powerful than death. In this gospel, at least, Jesus never presents himself to the male disciples. He charges the women to tell his brothers, those who had just betrayed him, who couldn't stand by watching his death. He calls to tell the women to tell his brothers that they are still beloved by the Messiah, the God who is with us, the God who is over us, And so it's not important for us to rest or challenge ourselves about the disparities between the resurrection accounts of the different Gospels. Actually, the point for us this morning is to rest in Matthew, knowing that the women were there from the beginning, providing, listening, trusting, looking on, testifying. Their lives tell the story of resurrection, that the worst is not the end. And according to Matthew, it is the women who will carry on the story, who will share The story that death is not the end, that we serve a powerful God. According to Matthew, it is the women who teach us the power of a life-following God, bearing witness and transformation and the courage of testimony. Do you have a woman who taught you the courage of testimony? It is my mother who taught me the power of testimony. Testimony is just a churchy word for telling the truth. This crazy activity of speaking real things into being. It is my mother who would wake me up early in the morning when some vicious activity had taken place in our world to let me know as a young person that some violence had been wreaking havoc. I have deep memories of being woken in my room covered with Jonathan Taylor Thomas posters (laughs) only to have him looking on me as my mother reveals to me that the Oklahoma City building was bombed. Or that... Some students entered into Columbine High School and massacred several of their fellow students. I also have my mother to thank because she would awake me saying, tonight we're going to watch a really special TV show called The Ellen Show. She's going to come out on her show, which means nothing to you as a child, but it's a really important moment in history, and I want you to know about it and share it. And so we watched The Ellen Show together, knowing that my life I was entrusted with the seriousness and the celebrations of public life. And so I relished relish the responsibility of trust my mother placed on me. And then after my parents divorced when I was a teen, my mother slumped into this depressive state. Alcohol became her release from a stress of living, her, living on her own and paying bills and paying for a child and single motherhood. And it was this tyrannical rule of alcohol over her life that caused so much hurt and pain between us. And as a teenager, I learned to resent the mother who once taught me that love is love is love is love, because her love was consumed by alcoholic visions that could, she thought would only heal her hurts. And even after several years of recovery, I bore the scars of this animosity towards my mother, who could not be present when I was a boorish teenager, don't get me wrong, but I really needed structure and guidance in my life. And it wasn't until twelve-ish years or so ago when, into my mother's sobriety, when I awoke to the power of her life in mine. You see, my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2009. She was working a freelance job as a sign language interpreter, but that was only after losing her job and her health insurance in the recession of 2008. She couldn't afford the security of expensive health care on her own, and this was before affordable health care was even a language that was spoke and pre-existing conditions were considered cancer after you were diagnosed. And so, uh, my mother, the one who taught me about the horrors and the joys of life, the one who got herself sober when sobriety seemed really painful, that same woman took those cancerous boobs of hers into the county hospital, and she didn't let the lack of insurance or the lack of money or the fear of death hold her back. She decided to fight for her life with the help of a little bit of chemo and wigs. And, and in, that was in 2009. And in
1: 2019,
0: my mother continues to live cancer-free and sober. It is this woman in my life who bore witness to the scariest things in the world and testified that her life's work, that the worst in the world, is not the last, and, and it's not just her. Women in my life keep showing up and telling all the truths <laughs> that when a church tells a woman they can't preach or when discrimination prevents you from living out your call, these women in my life say, you, honey, go grab that pulpit, get that Bible, and you tell the good news because people need to hear that God's not finished, yes. It's the women, but it's also the transgender and the gender nonconforming people in my life who are refused marriages and ordinations and recognition of legal documents, that continue to love and live and move across the country just so they can live out their calling in life. And it's also my aunties and my grandmothers who taught me that mental illness doesn't define your life, but seeking professional help is actually a really healing thing. They taught me that fertility and infertility and miscarriage don't have to dominate your cycle, but that God grows families in a myriad of ways because the worst storms of life are never the last thing. The storms of life calm and rest falls over the earth. The women of the Bible, the women of my life, who show up and tell me this truth and remind me that resurrection from the dead is real because their lives testify to that fact. Because who runs the world? Uncle God, but <laughs> according to Fiance, in addition to God, who runs the world, I would like to add not just cisgender girls, but the, or those with a female on their birth certificate, but also transgender, gender nonconforming folks, gender queer and gender variant folks. Our wise siblings tell us the story of their lives of the worst things that never last till the end. They are. Uh, The witness of death, the running to the tomb, is not the end. God keeps working, rolling these stones aside to to discriminate, to demonstrate that life grows out of death, spring, amen, follows winter, and joy comes in the morning. It is these women that keep providing, keep learning, keep pushing, keep talking and showing up to make a way forward for you and for me to remember that God's earth-shaking movement is still active in this world. And according to Matthew and Beyonce, we'll add a little bit more. It's not just the women. But they do put an emphasis on it. It's not just the women who teach us these messages. We all have these Howard Thurmans in our lives. These university chaplains who demonstrated for them the PhD candidate named Martin Luther King Jr what it looks like to be a black man, a civil rights leader, and a prophet for God's justice in a world full of discrimination. We, you and I, have birth of flowers in our lives, the teachers who encourage us as pre-teens, and the avid reader Maya Angelou, who had muted her voice for five years after naming her molester to read poetry aloud and break her half-decade of silence. There are people in your life who told you the power of resurrection? People who who provided you the hope when everything seemed hopeless, and gave you the courage to persist. And you bore the witness of their stories, of their lives, and now testify to the God, uh, testified to God's movement throughout the ages and their existence because you know, you trust, and you've seen. And who are they? Those with courage in the midst of fear. Those who keep searching. When all seems lost, they are the ones, whether they believe in God or not, who probably taught you the language of hope, that resurrection of life as earth-shatteringly real. But friends, church, the power of Christian community, a life following Jesus, is that you too are a life of witness. You are a living testimony of God's love. You are the teacher, the instructor, that the worst is never the last thing. Who will you teach about resurrection? As a Christian community, we already instruct each other. You heard from Caleb's testimony that we show up, we welcome newbies, we say with our smiles and our coffee and our greetings that no matter what you've heard in the past, God is proud of the queer and you are safe. And so we sing, and we clap, and rejoice, and testify, and we remind each other that the fears of last night don't look so horrifying in the morning light of this morning. We live our life, you live your life out loud in public, just as God created you. Not perfect, but perfectly made and celebrated. Your life is a testament of God's power to the youngest disciples in our midst the truth of your life. When we live it authentically and share lives with each other, it says, my worst mistakes, my poor decisions, and the worst things about my life are not the last things. God forgives and God uses and God carries through. By being your truest self in community, you bear witness and testify, like those married so long ago, to the babies and the visitors and the new members of our community that the life of this community is a story of resurrection. And we need it. I need it. Because in September of this coming year, my spouse, Joel, and I will introduce a baby to our family. They're a big deal, though, in our house. This new member, Though doesn't just join our household of rambunctious dogs and too much hair, but becomes a member of your family too, the family of God. A new family member to you and to us. And my life story, while it is deeply fascinating, it's it's not long enough and not depth, doesn't have enough depth yet. While Joel and I will nurture this child, there will be times when we will be tired and annoyed When our experience is limited and we will rely on God's community, the church, that's you, to nurture and teach and live as examples that hope is real, God is not finished with this world yet, and that the worst things in life never are the never last, are never the last things. Because it takes an urban village church to raise our children. Can I get an amen? amen? This community is the one that tells that resurrection is real. We now become the people, the Marys, the messengers who say, death cannot hold Jesus back, the world is forever changed. He has been raised. Will you pray with me? Mighty God, it's in you that we know the power of redemption. You stand with us in the shadows. You move through us with every sorrow and trial of this life. And you, God, with the power of the community surround us, uphold us with the knowledge of the final morning when, in the glorious presence of your risen Son, we will share in his resurrection, redeemed and restored to the fullness of life, forever free to be your people. And so we pray in the name of our brother and friend, Jesus. Amen.